Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast God's Holy Word, and I am your lovely host Leslie Sullivan, and today is episode 22, and today we're going to be taking a look at Psalm 98. So let's go ahead and get started on this, and I am reading from the King James version. So I'm going to go verse by verse and talk about different things that really jump out from this psalm because it's a really good one. It's one of my favorite books. It says, "O sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. The Lord hath made known his salvation. His righteousness hath he openly shewed in the sight of the heathen. He hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel." All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Sing unto the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the voice of a psalm, with trumpets and sound of cornet. Make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Let the floods clap their hands, let the hills be joyful together. Before the Lord, for he cometh to judge the earth, with righteousness shall he judge the world and the people with equity. Okay, so let's go back to the first verse here. It says, "O sing unto the Lord a new song." What that really told me was that first of all, when when we're going to God, especially in worship, we need to be singing the joy of the Lord. even in our sorrow and our agony because if all we're talking about is the problem then that's all we're going to think about is the problem we're not going to really be embracing the goodness of God so it's important that whenever we are approaching God that we have prayer and praise very much in mind I was going to say get your dukes up because I heard that in a in a sermon a while ago that you know the way that you really fight stuff is you get your two dukes up which in the United States means your fist and it's prayer and praise. Those are really important things. But also what I love about this verse is that when it says, "Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song," what that made me think of is that whenever I'm going through something, I need to change the station in my mind. I need to start thinking joyfully. I need to start being positive in that negative moment regardless of what's going on. I just need to turn it over to the Lord. because our happiness is very much important. It's very important to God. He wants us to be happy even when we're going through something really difficult because if all we ever focus on is the sorrow and the agony, that's all we're ever going to see. So it's basically a way of us changing the view that we're looking at. It says, "For he hath done marvelous things." I love that because everything that God does is marvelous. And I think it's important that we remember that God can do anything. He makes the impossible possible. And there are people that will say, "Oh, miracles don't occur anymore. God doesn't care about us. We're just here by ourselves. We're lower than dirt. We're nothing but worms." That that is a total lie from hell. That is what the enemy would want you to believe about yourself and about your situation. Because the way that the devil tries to fool us and trick us is to just agree with the sorrow. agree with the situation and to not look at what God says about and what he wants to do about it. Satan loves to deter us. He loves to confuse us. He 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 is the author of confusion. So just know that if you're going through something that doesn't make sense, just know the enemy is attacking you one way or another. And to go to God with that. 
Because right here we see that we are supposed to be singing a new song and we are supposed to be expecting marvelous things in our life. Marvelous things don't come from hell, they come from heaven. So it's important that instead of us looking down and feeling downtrodden that we look up, we look up to our heavenly Father. It says his right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. Now those are military terms technically. I know this translation is Elizabethan. It's the King James version, but it is still very much valid in what it's saying and when it talks about his right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. Basically, we have victory in Christ Jesus. And to have victory, that that's technically a military term as well. So just know that when you have when you put your faith in Christ Jesus, first of all, you're in God's holy family, and number 2, well, technically even more importantly, I guess they're kind of equal as well, is that Jesus already won the battle for us. He defeated the foe. He defeated Satan. He defeated defeated death, sickness, and disease. So we shouldn't have anything to worry about. You just because a medical report says you have XYZ, the medical report doesn't have the final say. God has the final say. And God claims you as his own. He claims you as his child and you are wonderfully and beautifully made in his image. And that's a wonderful thing and he loves you. Loves you very much. Goes on to say the Lord hath made known his salvation. His righteousness hath he openly showed in the sight of the heathen. What that tells me is that whenever God Whenever God restores what the enemy has stolen from us, it's going to be very evident to our enemies and our adversaries in our life that it wasn't our doing that that got us the victory. It was Almighty God. An example of this we can see in the book of Deuteronomy and Deuteronomy and Joshua, where the Israelites are led out of Egypt, and it shocked the entire world. It shocked the entire planet because at that time, Egypt was considered a world power. because they literally were they were pretty much number 1 at that time and it took almighty god to get pharaoh to release his people to release god's people and the entire world knew that the israelites they could not fight pharaoh think about it. the israelites did not have an an army they were not military trained they did not have military weapons so the entire planet knew at that time that it was their god that they served that freed them from the hand of slavery it freed them from pharaoh that's why whenever the israelites fought against people when they were when they left egypt and they had to fight people to get to the promised land there were some adversaries that they had that they didn't put up much of a fight because they were terrified of of their god they were terrified of the god of israel well guess what you and i are in god's family so we are part of that covenant with god's people because we are god's people So just know that you already have the victory. So greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's that's how we need to think because that is that is the truth. That is God's holy word. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Meaning we already have the victory because it's already been won. So we should have nothing to fear, nothing to worry about. We shouldn't have any kind of dread. Goes on to say he hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. That tells me right there that God always remembers his people. He remembers his covenant. Every covenant and promise that God makes, he keeps. He is not fickle. God is not conditional love. He is unconditional. Meaning he's not swayed. 
He doesn't dangle a carrot out in front of us and say, "Oh, well, I might help you. I might heal you." No. When God says he's going to heal you, he means it. And there is healing all throughout God's holy word. That that's where we get our healing is from our divine physician. We get it from Jesus Christ, his son. Because Jesus died for us. He took on all our pain, all our sin, all our sickness, all our disease, all our lack, anything that is outside of the goodness of God. Jesus bore that on the cross so that we would not have to suffer anymore. And that we we could be saved and go to heaven. That's a pretty big sacrifice right there. That's a that's the biggest sacrifice that this world has ever known. And it's also the most beautiful sacrifice, but it's also God's promise to us. That's our salvation. And what a beautiful thing it is. So it says, "He hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel." All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God, meaning it's going to be obvious and very evident to the entire planet that God is real, he does exist and he loves his people and he's going to protect his people at all costs. He's not going to allow the enemy to win because the enemy has already lost, but he will vindicate us, especially in the sight of our enemies. So we don't have to really I'm not saying we don't have to fight but the battle is the lords like we still need to stand up for what's right but we should not have battle fatigue cuz literally all we have to do is put on the armor of god and put christ first and just march forward he's not asking us to get a cannon or a spear or to tell somebody off about something you know we shouldn't have to feel like i've got to defend myself no 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 greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world I don't have to prove myself to anyone and neither do you when you are in the family of Almighty God. Because God fights our battles. He defeats our enemies. And it's when he defeats our enemies that our enemy knows, "Whoa, I was totally stupid to go up against this person because they worship the one true God." That's what that means. It goes on to say, "Make a joyful noise unto the Lord." All the earth make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. I love that verse because it reminds me of a church I went to a while back. You know, they it's like they didn't really want you to worship. They just wanted you to sit there like a drone, like a statue or a pillar. And if you didn't worship the way they wanted you to worship, then you were glared at and you were pretty much they they would try and kick you out. And I'm not saying roll on the floor and make loud noises. I'm not saying do any of that. But it's like they didn't want you to say amen unless they were saying amen. They didn't want you to say hallelujah unless they were saying hallelujah. It's like it's like you had to have someone else's permission to speak God's holy word. And and that's not practicing faith. That's someone stifling your faith because we are supposed to worship. We are supposed to make a joyful noise. We are supposed to give God the glory. God doesn't want statues and pillars as a people to worship him. God gave us vocal cords for a reason. It's to give him honor and praise and to acknowledge his love for us. That's why we say that's why we say thank you Jesus, thank you God. Amen, alleluia. That's why we say those things. Because we're giving God the glory because we know we can't do this on our own. and we're not supposed to do it on our own. That's why God fights our battles. Goes on to say, sing unto the Lord with the harp, 
with the harp and the voice of a psalm, with trumpets and sound of cornet, make a joyful noise before the Lord the King. So when we are worshiping, we are going before the Lord and the King. So our worship should be beautiful. And I don't mean it has to be necessarily classical music or this type of instrument or that type of instrument. But whenever we are worshiping, it should be, I don't know how else to say it, but within reason. It shouldn't be just over the top silly or weird. It needs to have reverence. Because if it doesn't have reverence, then it's not being respectful to God. Because, you know, it's one of those things like whenever you go into someone's house, Let's say, for example, you get invited to a dinner and you go over to someone's house and you're just really being extremely loud. And then you go over to their TV and you turn on some channel, some station, and you, and you crank up the volume really loud so people can't hear other people speak. Well, is that appropriate behavior when you are invited into somebody's home? No, it's not. It's the same thing when God invites us into his temple, into his house of worship. Does he want us to talk? Yes. Does he want us to worship him? Yes. Does he want us to sing? Yes. But there's appropriateness there. And it's a type of reverence because it gives God the glory. Like instead of it being about us, it's about God. It goes on to say, "Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Let the floods clap their hands, let the hills be joyful together." I love that. Be joyful together. You know, it's very difficult to have joy when you constantly feel alone. That reminds me of when I was going to a church where I felt all alone, even though I was in a room full of people, I still felt very much alone, and I hated feeling that way, but I was like, well, you know, I'll just kind of do my own thing and just worship God as best I can, you know, in my heart and my soul, but I realized that if I'm feeling that lonely and I am in a room with a lot of people, then I don't need to be there because it's like I'm not even there. I'm not even being acknowledged and I'm not even being treated with dignity and respect. So I left that church and went to a better church, one where people actually communicate with me. They actually talk to me. They actually want me there. See, that's the thing. If if people are ignoring you and giving you the cold shoulder and you're going to a church, you're not at a good church. You need to go where you are appreciated because see, here's the thing. If you stay at a church where they mistreat you and you're tithing there, your seed, whatever you're sowing in terms of your money or your time, it's just falling on bad ground. It's falling on thorns. It's not going to grow because you're not growing in your faith at that church. So if you're not happy where you're going to church, you need to leave and go to a different church. So that way, Number 1, you grow in your faith with Jesus Christ, you draw closer to God, but also whatever seeds you sow into the kingdom of God is being sown on fertile soil, not thorny ground. Because it does matter how you're treated, because how you're treated by other people tells you what they really think of you. And if they don't like you or love you, don't reward bad behavior with your time, energy or money. Walk away from it. Goes on to say before the Lord It says, well, it's talking about let the floods clap their hands, let the hills be joyful together before the Lord, for he cometh to judge the earth, with righteousness shall he judge the world and the people with equity. What I love about this, it talks about be joyful before the Lord. Now, there's a time and place to be joyful and there's a time and place to just really pour out your heart and soul to God. 
pouring out your heart and soul to God if you're crying and upset is not appropriate during a worship service. He wants to hear from you. But when we go to worship, it's about God. He knows us, he loves us, he wants to hear from us, but sometimes it helps us to heal the soul when we're not thinking about our problem all the time. So we need to think about something that's better than our problem. And if anything, God is way better because he can actually solve the problem. That's one reason why I love going to church is that I can go there and be in complete peace. I don't have to think about what's going on in my life. I think about wonderful good things. I absolutely love it. It it makes me feel great because I know I'm in the presence of God and it gives me a break from any type of stress that's going on in my life and I love that because it gives me a it gives me a chance to think about hey what should I be praying about later on when I'm when I'm doing my one-on-one with God cuz God does want to hear about the things that are going on in our life yes that's very true but he also wants us to take a vacation from the seriousness things the seriousness of things in life because we're not made to live with sorrow on a daily basis the human body can't take that it can't handle that and i am living proof of that like if you live a stressed out life long enough your health will start to take a hit it will take a toll on your life and i say what's the point of living stressed when you can live blessed so when we go before the lord we're supposed to be joyful a lot of times i'm going to the lord i'm saying lord i am so thankful to be here i am so thankful to be in your presence to be a part of a good church i'm so happy with this i just love it thank you thank you for drawing me closer to you i need you and sometimes it's it's those prayers that are non specific in regards to our problems it just makes the problems go away I mean there's a time that we do need to go through a list of things that we don't like or things that aren't going well but we do that privately in like our prayer closet or things like that but not during worship. Worship is supposed to be I don't know kind of like the cherry on top. So basically enjoy the dessert. That's how I look at worship. Because I think that if all we do is is drag our problems around It's almost like we're always carrying a piece of luggage with us when we're not made to do that. We're not oxen. We're not cattle. We're we're people. We were made in the image of God. We were not supposed to be burdened with anything technically. So it's important that when we go before God that we are mindful that he wants us to be happy. He loves us, he embraces us. He warms our hearts, he heals our our soul. He he heals and mends any wounds that we have. And he knows when we have cried and when we are crying and he counts those tears. And being that he counts those tears that doesn't mean we should be crying all the time. That's very exhausting and we should be focused on the goodness of God and we should have joy. Because all throughout this psalm It's talking about how God is merciful, how he loves us, that we should be joyful, and that God is strong. He's very strong. It talks about his right arm or his right hand and his holy arm. Again, that's a military term, meaning he will go he will go to battle for you. He will fight for you. 
He saw what happened to you. He saw your pain. He saw your terror. And immediately, he went to battle for you. So the moment you pray, Lord, I need help with this. Please, please help me with this adversary. Please help me with this enemy. I pray for them. I forgive them. But I'm giving this over to you, Lord, because I know that you can handle this way better than me. And give the Lord a chance to fight for you because he loves you. The Lord never wanted us to have battle fatigue. Never, never, never. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to be happy all the days of our life. So I say go for it. Bask in the goodness of God and be joyful. Don't be quiet about your joy. Be happy about your joy. Share your joy. That is such a wonderful thing to have. That God can give us joy. He wants us to be blessed. He wants us to live a blessed life. And we see that time and time again in his holy word. It's all throughout the Bible. Like nowhere in the Bible does God tell his people, "I love you so much, I hate you," or "I love you so much, I want you to be doomed." That's not God. That that's not how he talks. That's not how he views his people. The only individual that wants us to be miserable all the time is Satan. He is very evil, but he is a fallen foe. He's a loser. I love the the phrase. I don't know who came up with it. But it said don't go to Goliath for help. Basically, don't don't give your enemy any power over you. Don't go to them for anything, not for advice, not for your needs. You you especially won't ever find joy or happiness from them. Go to your heavenly Father. And the number one way to do that is to go to church every week, find a good church, a place where you can call home spiritually. Go to church every week because I know during COVID it broke my heart when I couldn't go to church. I mean, participating online was great, but it really broke my heart because I, you know, I'm just like anybody else. I missed the fellowship of people. I really missed it. So when our church is open back up, I couldn't wait to go back to church. I couldn't wait to to see the people that I, that I had missed for so long. It just it was just so refreshing. It's so nice to be around good people. It's so nice to be around people that love to pray for you and that you love to pray for them and and that they want what's best for you and you want what's best for them. It's just a really good thing to have in your life. So number 1, go to church every week. Find a really good church to to get involved in. Take holy communion every week. If your church doesn't offer holy communion every week, you can do that at home. You can use wine or you can use grape juice. I prefer wine. But you can also make your own holy communion because it's unleavened bread or you can do what I do and you can buy salt-free saltine crackers because it's unleavened bread and there's no salt on it. And you can use that as the body and blood of Christ. They call it the elements. Like you can have your own communion whenever you want in your home. You can have daily communion, and I love daily communion. It always kind of takes me back whenever I forget to do daily communion, and it's one of my favorite things to do because it it draws me closer to Christ. And knowing that I'm in the holy family of God, 
I love having communion, especially in the privacy of my home throughout the week. It really warms my heart. I just love that. So I encourage you, go to church every week. Have Holy Communion. If it's not available at your church, don't worry about it. You can have it at home. But also, get a good Bible. I have two Bibles that I love, and I've mentioned this. I have the King James Version, and I also have the Reader to Leader Bible. It's a really good one. I like that one as well. And just go through what you want to read. Don't feel like you have to start from the beginning and go just read straight through. Just go... I don't want to say go with the flow because I think that phrase gets overused and it's kind of watered down. But just go where the Holy Spirit guides you. And one of the best books, I think, is Psalms, Genesis, Revelation, and also Deuteronomy, Exodus, and Joshua. I kind of bounced around a little bit there. But those are some great books, excellent books to get started. And even if you're like, well, I've already read the Bible, that's great. You can reread those. They're wonderful. Because I'm always learning something new whenever I reread it. And, and I just think, wow, how good is our God that we can go back and reread something and he will enlighten us. He will show us something else that we didn't know was there. But it will help us every day of our life. That is medicine for our soul. And it's comforting to our souls. And that's what our soul needs We need to be healed and we need to be comforted. And the only way we're going to get that is from God's holy word. It's from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Another thing I would do is if you've never been baptized, I would get baptized. I would ask Jesus to come into your heart and I would get baptized publicly. And even if you've already been baptized, if you feel like you need to get baptized again, get rebaptized. I've been there. I know what that's like. Because it's a wonderful thing to rededicate your life to Christ. Don't miss the opportunity to have a good life. Because you are worthy of God's best. Because we were made in his image, nobody else's image. We were made in God's holy image. So we are worthy of the goodness of God. And that is just a wonderful thing to have in our life every day of our life. But I will go ahead and end this podcast. Until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy, and whole. And that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.